0: My name is Alex Nduguna, I'm 23 years of age and I live in Membly which is near Ruru town. I was born and raised in Nakuru County, that's where I grew up, together with my elder sister and my younger brother. And our parents back then basically were my late mom and my late grandma. The pain of losing the only family members
1: he knew as parents at a young age while still pursuing his education.
0: Who like, guided us through our formative years. They supported us with the help of the extended family. The loss of his
1: mother and grandmother left a wound in his heart that never healed for many years. But amid the raging storm, Alex Juguna strived
0: to at least complete his education. And unfortunately, just Three months before I sat my KCPE exams, that was on August 4th, I lost my dear mom, who had been battling cancer for several years actually, and she succumbed to it on that particular year, 2010. This was a painful blow for me, and I really wanted to celebrate, you know, my passing. I knew I was a bright student, and I wanted to celebrate my passing KCPE with her, therefore I took her name. but. She never witnessed even the results of that KCP. And this really had a very huge effect on me. It left a big scar. Uh, But nevertheless, I tried my best still. I scored 404 marks out of the possible 500. The marks were enough to get me admitted to a national school. That is Lenana School. A great school where I actually pursued my high school education, where I was able to attain a, a grade A minus. This allowed me to apply for an non- for an engineering course, uh, the one I wanted, actually. Electrical and Telecommunication Engineering in Multimedia University. That's where I, I was admitted to. Uh, and as I was pursuing my university education in that particular engineering degree, somewhere along the way, my grandma also started falling ill she fell ill and uh, in second year in my university education that was when my grandma was diagnosed with the same same disease as my mom that is ovarian cancer and uh, unfortunately we also lost my grandma to that same disease that was in early 2017 she succumbed to it and now until that point i had lost both my moms both the people who I grew up knowing were my parents and the people who I knew would see me grow up and become a successful man in future. Therefore this left like very deep scars in me. The grief and the loss, they kind of devastated me.
1: Memories of the loss of his late mother and grandmother continued to traumatize him more and sooner rather than later. He was into hard drugs to calm his nerves and in no time, it became an addiction.
0: And not to mention also that you're not taking your mom's name into your official name. It's not something that is done very commonly. Therefore, at any point in time where maybe somebody who saw it as not common would just try and tease me. It just rubbed in that wound that had not healed quite well. But I was never one to like confront these people or start, you know, fights or anything, but it really brought me so much pain remembering that this was someone I loved, and I had lost them and that wound had not yet healed quite well so all this pain, all this grief, I was never one to share a lot and I used to keep it to myself, but this pain grew and grew, you know, losing losing loved ones, it's a very difficult thing to go through therefore I just found myself numbing that pain by resulting in you know, drinking, things like that, smoking, cigarettes, smoking weed. Just to as an escape for me because I had no other way of expressing my pain apart from numbing it and running away from it. That is how I knew to let out my, my anger, my confusion, my devastation. And uh, this indulgence in drugs just, you know, became more and more as the years passed. You know, I've just lost my, my grandma in second year. And the way the course is like becoming tougher as you proceed, it's not becoming any easier. And for me, I was like starting to lose my focus because I'm becoming more dependent on drugs. I'm losing my focus in school. That is, I'm not able to concentrate because I have like trauma of loss. And the more I try to focus in school, I'm not able to, because actually my mind is not. It's kind of stuffy. With the, the toxins that I'm using at that time and the unsettled pain, the underlying issues, as they are called that i've not been able to face because i'm not talking to anyone at that particular point in time i'm just escaping <sighs> i found myself starting to derail in my studies i was starting to neglect my schoolwork and just you know just living life passively therefore i consequently found myself flanking out of university i was not able to complete my course in second year i was already sinking slowly and slowly into addiction i was drinking too much i was smoking too much to the point that i even started feeling some pain in my internal organs just as an escape because i could not face what was really happening in my life and i was not able to understand it (sighs) subconsciously i'd already hit a dead end in my education because i didn't want to continue with it
1: And so, after dropping out of university, he decided to go back to his home village in Mangu, Nakuru County. And that's where he discovered he could earn some money for his upkeep through online jobs.
0: While I was at home, I started taking seriously some freelance uh, job that I was introduced to while I was in campus. It's called transcription. And I started earning some money off of it, just little money, you know, for basic needs and all. Uh, when I saw the full promise of the venture that I was taking while at home, I started thinking maybe th- that could become my hustle because it was bringing in some good income and it had the potential to like sustain me and give me like a decent living off of it. Therefore, I decided to approach the guardians who were with me at that point in time with the idea of like trying out transcription as my daily hustle. I also wanted to move out and like give myself that pressure of being outside the comfort zone of being at home. Trying out hustling and maybe see what direction my life would take from there because I decided to put school off for some time. My guardians gave me the support I needed to move out.
1: And now with an online job that would fend for his needs, he moved back to Nairobi to start a new life, oblivious of the underlying state of depression that had gradually started to take toll on him, having not dealt with his past, and craving for cheap liquor. Smoking of bang, popularly known as weed, became his norm rather than an exception.
0: So I started in transcription as a profession, and I was earning good money. But despite That fact that I was already settling, I had my own place now, in Jujia. I was able to sustain my daily needs without necessarily calling back home, or depending on my uh, my friends to support me. The money I was making in that job really was not being used to constructively. I was already quite deep into addiction at this moment in time. I was drinking a lot, I was smoking a lot. But I was still able to work because this job was kind of what was holding on my life back then. And mainly supporting my addiction. It was the one which was fueling my addiction. Uh, My outlets like of you know drinking, smoking, they were getting worse and worse because I had no way of... I had not come to the point of like facing my underlying issues and deciding well you have to like face what has happened in your life. I continued, I continued with the life of addiction. Sometimes when I didn't have money, I would even sell my personal stuff, even electronics, friends were asking me, but you have money to like sustain your basic needs. Why are you still like selling this stuff and you need it? But they never knew like I was trying to fill a void that was so empty and needed filling and was unfeelable. <laughs> the more I drank, the more I smoked, it never resolved anything but it felt like quite settling to me at that time it felt like what was holding me together but it was destroying me at the same time around uh, mid say 2019 my drinking had gotten so bad my smoking was so bad I couldn't stay a day without drinking smoking my academic life had already fallen apart my social life was Quite awkward, quite weird at that time. I was not functioning very well socially. My spiritual life had been so messed up with. I was not spiritual at all. I was not in touch with myself. I was not in touch with, with God. I had no idea of who I was. I knew that, that I had to drink. I had to smoke daily and I had a job. Which would just keep me like going. And that was life for me. I had no goals of the future. Just as long as I was going to work, as long as I, w- I would be able to buy myself a drink, I didn't even care about food. I had neglected my, my diet for so long. I was emaciated. My self-grooming was becoming poorer and poorer by the day. My hygiene was so off. My relationships were quite strained because most of the time I was relating with people, but not from a sober mind. That was when I realized I was becoming so lonely, I was become, becoming depressed and I seriously needed a way of, a way out of my situation. I even tried to like change my life entirely and move away from where I was and go and start a new life elsewhere. But to do that I needed money. If I tried lotteries, I tried jackpots, ah, all to no avail. I was trying to change my situation but nothing ever materialized. I realized at this point in time that I was stuck and I had no way out of my predicament. That was when I realized that now I have hit rock bottom in my life and I had no way out of my current situation. I was trapped in a loop, in a, an endless cycle of wake up, like, yes, do your stuff, but you have to drink and living for that drink daily, you know, as a way to calm your nerves, as a way to maybe reduce your stress, which never reduced in reasons they actually increased.
1: By this time his state of mental health had deteriorated and indiscriminate use of illicit drugs got out of hand and so suicidal thoughts started to bedevil
0: him. That was when I realized I wanted, out. I wanted out of this life. If there's no way out of this loop and I can't find any help, anyone to tell me something or maybe make me do something that could change my situation, I wanted out. I wanted to die. My failures in life all started coming up to me. I dropped out of school. I wasted my, my guardians' school fees. That is when I was in school, I had a decent course, I had a decent shot at a good life, but I wasted all of it. Now I have a job, and I can't even seem to, you know, like, construct my life, make it better, make something good out of the current situation I had. All I did was drink all the money I had. I started feeling so useless. I was feeling like there was no good that could come out of my life. I felt wasted. I felt... So lost. Uh, at around the second week of July, that is in 2019, I just started calling my friends and family, the close ones. And I started telling them, "Hey, Me Me This is what I was actually telling some of my close friends. I remember? A very dear close friend of mine. One day, just I was I was sending all these negative vibes to her, and she sent me a, a verse that is from Psalms chapter 139, verse 7 to 8. She told me that no matter where you go, that is what the verse says. No matter where you go, that God will be there. That you can never flee from God's presence. <sighs> this verse should have made sense to me back then because I'm a Christian and I believe in God. But my spirituality was so dead that I just passed through it. Yes, I saw it's supposed to make some sense to me, but so what? No one can really get the situation that I'm going through right now. On that second week of July, the weekend now, I remember I just reached out out to my sister and a close cousin of mine. We talked, and in my mind I was just telling myself that These people, this is the last time I'm seeing them and this is a goodbye to them. But I never really like told it to their faces. I just, you know, told myself in my mind, but never mentioned it out loud. (sighs) To me, in my mind, I'd already given up and it was too late for me. My mental health was already so poor by that time because all I had, the voices I had in my mind, were negative. Nothing constructive, nothing positive coming out of it. Um, After that Saturday of meeting my sister and my cousin, on Sunday I tried like, you know, reaching out for help and I actually went to church. But I went to church drunk that Sunday morning. But I was never really able to connect with the people there because I just thought, "Ah, right here no one can understand me. Maybe they've never even drunk. They don't even know what I'm going through. No one can help me. Immediately after I left that church, I went and drank and drank and drank. And at least there I was able to like talk to some people who were also drunk. And I felt like we were sharing something in common. That was Sunday. On Monday, I was supposed to go back to work. But I spent the whole day, the whole Monday drinking also. I had already decided I was going to take my life. That was Monday. On Tuesday, I wake up. Actually, I was woken up by my caretaker because I was oversleeping, I had a hangover. He comes and wakes me up. I go, and I had lock. Then I go back to sleep. Wow. I felt lost. My internet was not working. My psyche was off. My hands were shaking. I couldn't even be able to type anything at all. And that's when my mind started telling me, this is it.
1: In his mind, it was like a battlefield and had to intoxicate himself so hard before deciding on how to end his life. He narrates the emotional ordeal of that eventful morning when he stared at death, which looked more attractive than life.
0: Your day has come. Nothing is working out for you. (sighs) I felt like I was losing my mind. Was when i decided like to go and get some weed at least to help me focus i smoke some of it <laughs> and even now even my mind goes crazy i'm thinking and i can now see my situation clearly it's around 9 am i'm supposed to deliver work by 10. i feel i'm so wasted i'm so drunk i don't even understand what i'm doing with my life <sighs> that's when i just decided eh this life i'm tired I start calling friends and telling them, Weh, kubaya, I call a cousin of mine tell her I'm gone. <sighs> I think the caretaker of the place I was living, like overheard me talking to my friends and asked me, What's going on man? Are you not going to work? And uh, he was concerned. Oh. As he kept bothering me, asking me "Hey, what's going on, what's going on? I decided to lock myself inside my house. I wanted to concentrate on how I would end my life. I checked my house, I have a razor. I know people sometimes like, you know, there, there are several options to end your life. Because from the cases you had, people commit suicide, they can slit your wrists, you bleed out to to death. I was also considering like just going to the highway throwing myself in front of a speeding car getting hit and dying i was thinking of drug overdose and also also considering like suffocating myself in my house with gas so i had some options of how to take my life i started with the one for cutting my wrists i used a sharp razor which i had i slit my wrists but the rate at which the blood was oozing out I still have scars to this day. The rate at which the blood was oozing out, uh, I thought I would not die soon enough. I took my gas, I just put it on without actually lighting it so that I would suffocate and die inside. So that fizzing sound of the gas actually attracted my caretaker's attention. And he actually came around asking, yo, what's going on? What are you doing? (sighs) I was trying to kill myself, but I couldn't tell him that. I just kept silent and tried like sniffing all the gas I could to suffocate myself. Fortunately for me, I was living in a single room, but the room was quite big and it had ventilation holes. So like that also was not going to work out. And within a very short span of time, my neighbors were gathered outside of my house, pleading with me, begging me, to stop what I was doing. They started, I could hear them talking, saying, ''Aye, what's bothering this guy? Hey, you know him, he's a cool guy, he's working, he has money, he's settled.'' I didn't actually know what I was going through. Within a very short span of time as I was still trying to sniff my gas to death. A crowd of like 50 people, fifty two hundred people, was already gathered outside my house. All wondering what was going on, all trying to figure out how to help me. For those who understood, now this crowd included a policeman who had come to to my rescue. You know, at that time I didn't even understand what was going through my mind. The pressure of seeing this many people outside my house. This thing has become so big. It's something that I normally see on TV now it's happening to me in real life I couldn't even believe my blood was pumping so hard my heart rate was so high unbelievably high I was deaf actually to their police at that moment in time I was so scared of what would happen if I opened that door this big crowd outside policeman noted that I was not I had no intention of opening the door he therefore called a grinder to come and cut down. It was a metallic dog, or iron. Now panic started hitting me. Panic of being found out, of, of being caught before I did. The deed that I wanted to do before taking my life. Panic like actually came in. I had to do something and I had to do it quick. And that's when I noted the, the kitchen knife which was just sitting idly on my table. I decided ah, I'm going to stab myself to death. Before these people come in and find me, I already have died. As soon as that grinder started cutting through my door, I plunged that knife into my chest where the heart area is aiming for my heart. I'd already said my last prayers in quotes and I was deaf to like the pleas from outside. With the policeman asking me, Kisunia Akazigani. The crowd who were now screaming, confused because they'd seen a knife. I took that knife. I grabbed, I, I stabbed myself seven times in the chest area, aiming for my heart. And at that time, I didn't even feel any pain. I wasn't feeling any. Actually, I was laughing because I'd already numbed my body with toxins. So I was, I was not even in my right mind at that time. I stabbed myself over and over seven times. Once I was done, and I felt like, okay, now I'm just going to die. With overconfidence in that I was already dying soon, I just asked them, and just with my pride, decided to open it. And uh, just let them come in and now witness me dying. The looks of horror that I saw on those people's faces when I came out of that door. (sighs) My shirt was so drenched with blood. The blood was still flowing. I could feel it flowing all the way down to my legs, to my feet. And I was shaking because losing that amount of blood, the panic, the confusion, I'm still very high. I I could already feel my life slipping away and uh, the rate of blood pumping in my body was falling, just going lower and lower. I could feel my body become so cold. Basically, I was dying.
1: And after a dramatic morning, Alex survives a suicide attempt.
0: I was still bleeding. They had not stopped the
1: bleeding. He is rescued and admitted to Thika Level 5 Hospital. I was rushed to the emergency unit. Friends and family, in grief and unbelief of what had just happened, started to stream in to see him. The gory images of blood and wounds on his chest evident that he had had enough.
0: I saw my sister and a very close friend of mine just come in. Just looking at their faces, the sadness in it, the, the shock, it just brought tears to my eyes. I knew what I had done. It was ugly. It was horrific. And I could just feel it by looking at them, at how they looked at me, with pity. Felt that they could feel sorry for me. That is what I felt at that time. <sighs> the tears started dwelling in my eyes, but I couldn't even bring myself to cry. Because I had now realized I'm in the hospital. I still have my life. I'm not dead. I'm confused. I don't know what's going to happen to me from here. They took me to surgery and stitched me up. Unfortunately, my wounds, they didn't go, the knife wounds didn't go too deep. They didn't get to my heart. So that's why I was not dead yet. But my lungs were bleeding. I'd actually punctured one of my lungs, my left lung. And after they did surgery, they actually put for me a a chest tube. It's called a chest tube, a tube like draining my lungs of the blood. And it was connected to a small briefcase, which I would be carrying around now filled with my blood there, where it was draining. My wrists were stitched up. My chest also, the wounds were stitched up. And I was admitted to the hospital.
1: After spending several days in hospital ward and watching other people suffer and succumb to their illnesses, he started to recognize just how valuable and precious life is. Now in the
0: hospital, that's where my healing started. First of all, my appreciation of life and my realization came when I was actually admitted to the, the the ward for accidents. This ward was the most horrific place I'd ever been to. The things I saw there, the pain those people were going through, even mine, like I just felt like it was nothing. And that's why I started appreciating even the situation I was in. I even wondered what brought me to that place in the first place. What took me to that moment of hurting myself. And these people were people like that. Were brought there by the most gruesome accidents you've ever seen. The shapes these people were in. I started thanking God for that life. That second chance. Family members were visiting me, bringing me good food. Telling me such nice things, encouraging me. So I started even healing, like psychologically, even mentally, started becoming stronger. But the moment they will leave, and like leave me to myself. Those thoughts of, now what what kind of picture have you made of your life? Such such pictures started coming to me, such thoughts, and the suicidal thoughts would, would actually start coming back. Some would even come to me and tell me that you are a gem. And there's this Chinese proverb that says, There's no gem that can be polished without friction. Therefore, that was my friction in life, you know? And uh, I started getting encouraged, feeling encouraged. I actually stayed in the hospital for a whole week before my chest tube was removed. That was when they considered me fully, like, healed. They did another operation to, you know, to close up where the chest tube had gone through. So I have another scar here, like, on the side of my chest, below my arm. After his recovery,
1: a rehabilitation center was his next destination for the next three months. This is where his psychological healing started.
0: Going to rehab, uh, well, first things first, the first prayer that I, I found at that place, even before we started doing the 12 steps program and even doing the counseling sessions and stuff, just the prayer. First of all, to make you aware of your spirituality, to bring in terms with your higher power. It says that God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. That prayer meant so much to me, even saying it every morning and every evening. Just brought me that realization that it's possible. It's possible to live with things that you cannot change, but you, you should have that patience and you should have the courage to change the things that you can. And that already started off the healing process for me. The people I met there, like who were in rehab, they had such great stories to tell. Some of them had even attempted suicide several times. And they were still there some of them were on hard drugs and that is the place where i discovered rediscovered my spirituality my connection to god my connection to my higher power and i actually rededicated my life my will to letting it align with what god had planned for me alex juguna
1: now a new man renewed in his mind, taking one day at
0: a time. After the three months, I was so like ready to face the second chapter of my life, the second chance of my life as a stronger, better version of myself. So I could say that that place I actually healed and actually, I actually took the time to you know reflect on my life, look at the underlying issues and actually be able to face them. Uh, and then there's this step in the 12-step program whereby Well, if you have someone who has done you wrong as a part of those underlying issues, or those people you've done wrong, you actually have to write it down somewhere and you have to like commit to approaching that person and maybe telling them that they wronged you and actually talking about the matter. Or if you are the one who wronged, you have to go and apologize. It's called making amends. I made my amends. And uh, just seeking that peace of of mind so that when you go back out there, the people will have questions for you. The people you have questions for, you just make sure you make those amends and you share anything that maybe was not was not clear was quite unclear you iron out those issues so that at least you know even the society sees you as a newer person you are able to live to socialize and speak to people more comfortably without hiding without them suspecting that maybe you're just talking to them in order to borrow their money for your addiction you actually become a genuine person a genuine character my self-image improved and i even stopped like comparing myself with others because already i know i'd lost a couple of years from as in compared to the peers who like i was schooling with i'd lost a couple of years but i didn't see that i now saw my journey for what it was and was ready to face my life as me well that's my healing process uh and i don't expect too much from like where i am now to maybe in five years, I'm only hoping that I'll be able to achieve the goals I set for myself daily, improve myself as a person, and even the dreams that I have that I'm able to, you know, advance toward them and make some really positive changes in my life to become a better person. Research
1: indicates the state of depression as a mental health condition continues to increase exponentially among young people worldwide and more often than not,
0: resulting to suicide taking a life is not the answer suicide has never been an answer i've been there i've tried it and uh, for me it failed it backfired and i'm glad because i have this second chance in life to come and tell people that you know your mental health is of great concern and you have to keep your your mind strong your mind game very strong you have to make sure the things that you're whispering to yourself are positive no matter what you know those people around you who tell you because your happiness does not depend on what they say it actually depends on what frame of mind you have and what you think about yourself therefore it's all about you and you have to like keep a very strong mind mind game mindset positivity is very key and also i'd like to urge people to right now i believe in god like my my spirituality had been a bit shaken but now i just i'm just waiting on god Whatever i feel confused i decide to trust in him and all that he has a bigger better purpose for me so i just Patience is a virtue. Be patient and rely on God's will for your life. Uh, self-condemnation. You should avoid self-condemnation. Yeah, Stop minimizing, maximizing things or complicating them and seeing them as if they're too complex to be solved. You know, take things easy. It's never that serious. Take it one day at a time. Even if you are not able to accomplish something you'd set for today. Tomorrow is another chance. You live to fight another day. There's no point in ending your life and not seeing the the future you could have had. The things you would have been able to achieve, you never know what your future holds. And having this life is really very precious. Another thing for somebody else who might be thinking about this, avoid, avoid isolation just try as much as it's hard that pride that keeps you in your cocoon and makes you feel like no one will understand what i'm going through try your best to share avoid isolation avoid staying by yourself and see those loved ones and make you good use of them for me my parting shot i survived suicide and now I live to see this second chance of my life. I work with more confidence. I have more confidence in myself. I understand myself better. I resonate with my thoughts better. I know who I am right now, and I just take life easy. No complicating it, no overthinking things. I'm just trying to live life easy, achieve my dreams, you know. Enjoy it with those people around me, with my loved ones.
1: Kibemboro. Special Assignment for Soul Food Podcast.